0: Welcome to the Epiphany Movement podcast. To learn more about the Epiphany Movement, visit us online at epiphanymovement.com. Thank you for tuning in, and we hope you enjoy today's talk from Pastor Drake Nelson. You know, you can have a... uh... A pocket full of pearls. But you won't have a necklace until you find yourself a string. And there's something great about us all coming together in the house of God and worshiping on a Sunday morning, isn't it? Well, we're going to be in John chapter 12 this morning. So if you have your Bible, turn there. John chapter 12, we're going to be... By the way, if you are a kid... And you find John chapter 12. So if you're a kid in here and you find John chapter 12 in your Bible, I want you to just raise your hand, all right? And I got some of the best candy that I've ever found. Okay, well, (laughs) Ryder, you got the skeet shooting and you got the candy. That's pretty good there. All right, I got you. Let me see. You got John chapter 12. Let me see it. John chapter 12. Okay, I'm going to give you credit. Here's this, and that. that's the best candy. And there's just a lot. He dropped the best candy. <laughs> All right, there we go. John chapter 12. And then we're going to be right there in verse 1. Verse 1 of John chapter 12. You know, today I'm going to talk a little bit. My sermon is gonna call, it's called In the In-Between. In the in-between. And my point today, and my point this morning, is for you to leave here better knowing how to live the Christian walk. So when you walked in the door today, when you came in, when you walked through the two doors, you had a certain presupposition, you have a certain idea about how you are to live, to move, to breathe as a Christian. My point is that when you leave here, you will know better about how to do those things. That's my point. Once again, it's called in the in-between. And I've never, I mean, obviously never preached this sermon before. And I say that to only say <clears throat> it as a preacher I'm trying to learn how to take what God gives Drake Nelson and ask the question, is God giving this to Drake Nelson for me, or is God giving this to Drake Nelson to share with everybody? And that's something that's very hard. In my opinion, to try to differentiate, so is God speaking to me um, for just for me, and to or is God speaking maybe or, or or leading me in this way for for everybody? So I'm trying to learn to do that, and thus the sermon this morning, starting in verse one, it says this: six days before the Passover celebration began, six days before the Passover celebration began. Why is that important? What happened on the Passover? Does anybody know what happened on the Passover? John's Gospel has three Passover events where all the other Synoptic Gospels, which is Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they only have one Passover event. But John has three Passover events. And one of those is found right here when Jesus is going. And in six days, the Passover is going to come. And, And what do they do at the Passover? Does anybody know? They... Uh, do what we did last night they they yeah very good and what was the meal that they had at the Passover that that this is talking about is we call it the what the Lord's Supper yeah okay so in six days they're about to have the Passover they're about to have the Lord's Supper and what's going to happen at this Lord's Supper Jesus is going to give some people wine, give some people bread, say, take this, do this in remembrance of me. In six days, Jesus is about to give his life. So imagine like this, okay? Imagine it was six minutes and you're sitting there in your chair, six minutes before your job interview, your first job interview. Just imagine that sitting there in the anticipation. I'm about to have to go up in front of Mr. David Engel and see if he thinks that I, you know, screw this in very good or something. Or think about maybe six hours before you got married. And you're maybe putting on your wedding dress. Or maybe you're putting on your tux or talking to your family. Or maybe you're just like, <laughs> is this what I want to do? <laughs> is this what I want to do after all? You're nervous, right? Why are you nervous? Because you have, you're anticipating something that's coming. Now imagine six days before you know you would die. Six days to live before you know you would die. Think about that mental toll that that would have on you and how you was to walk. Think about that. And is this why John's telling us this? Six days before the Passover celebration, Jesus, knowing, by the way, that he was about to die, because it tells us later on in the chapter, it's coming. It says this, Jesus arrived in Bethany. Now what is so significant about Bethany? Nothing. Nothing is significant about Bethany. If you remember, Bethany was the homestead of Mary, Martha, and their brother, which is named what? Anybody know? Lazarus. Yes, exactly. That's where they lived, where they probably grew up. But Bethany was a really small town. It would have been something to compare it to. It would have been like like Linwood, you know, something like, not even Vaughan. It would be something like Linwood, but it was right outside of Jerusalem. Jerusalem was the popping place. It was the place to be, a very big town. But then Bethany, right outside, but very small town. It would almost be like to, for us to say Madison, right? Madison, bigger town, lots of people, lots of, lots of commerce there. But Vaughan, it's, it's about a 15-minute or 25-minute 20, drive from Madison, depending on <laughs> if I'm driving or Cat's driving. <laughs> uh, and, and then if Miss Linda K's driving, it's about 35 minutes, but that's nevertheless. <laughs> and, and and that that's kind of a little bit of how you would compare Bethany to Jerusalem, something really small. And take that in walking terms, and it's about the same amount of time away. And then it says this. The home, here's what they were at. They were at the home of Lazarus. The man that had been raised from the dead, FYI. Now verse 2, a dinner was prepared in Jesus' honor. Why was a dinner prepared for, in Jesus' honor? Was it because he was about to die in the next week? And they knew that and they got worried. They thought, oh, we got to have a dinner. Is that why they prepared a dinner? No. Why don't they have a dinner in Jesus' honor? This is crazy. Do you all know? Huh? They loved them, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. They loved them. Specifically here, they loved them because they loved them, yeah. But because a chapter before that, guess who was raised from the dead? Lazarus. And so Mary and Martha and Lazarus are all celebrating. they're like, woo! Somebody is back. I'm excited this morning. I'm sorry, I, uh, y'all. I I won't be this excited maybe like next week or something. Y'all come out, but they were excited why? Because somebody had been brought back from the dead, and they said we're about to throw a party. And when somebody that we know goes from spiritual death to life, should we not throw a party also? I mean, these kids that got saved at M4 Camp. Do you think they just like got saved, and we was like, "Oh, good job! I'm so proud of you." No, we were thinking, "This is so cool, Rhodes! All these other children, Watson, what's up? Y'all just got saved. Y'all just went from spiritual death to life. Let's have a party." We were hugging, we were high fiving, we were half of the time we were running around going. It was amazing. Why? Because somebody had just come from and if. If in our lives, if we just sit there, oh, that's so good. Maybe God is wanting us to do a little bit more. Maybe God is wanting us to do a little bit more. But they threw a party. They had a dinner. And the dinner was prepared in Jesus' honor. Now, get the next two words. It says this. Martha served. Martha served. Do y'all see that? Martha Why would Martha be serving here? That doesn't make any sense because in chapter 11, the chapter before, was Martha serving? Yeah, no, absolutely not. Martha wasn't serving. Where was Martha the chapter before? I think I heard it. She was at the feet of Jesus. Jesus. Absolutely, absolutely. Martha, the chapter before, was sitting at the feet of Jesus. And so Mary comes, and Mary's in the kitchen probably cooking up something, you know, a little flick of the wrist. I mean, it wasn't as good as Mr. Bill's hog, but I'm sure it was pretty good, you know. And so they're in there cooking, and here comes Mary. And Mary says, Jesus, Martha's sitting here at your feet. Why isn't she in here helping me? But nevertheless, Martha was at the feet. But is she at Jesus' feet here? She is serving. Martha is serving. And Lazarus was among those who ate with him. Who is the him? Jesus. Now verse three. Then Mary. Then Mary took a twelve ounce steak. I'm just kidding, you know. <laughs> Lunch is coming. <laughs> a 12-ounce jar of expensive perfume made from the essence of Nard. And so the question is, how did, why did she have this perfume? How did she have this perfume? Anybody know? How did she have this perfume? Were they saved up for it? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe a wealthy family? Possibly but being from Bethany, probably not. How did they have this perfume? Well, guess what? They did not need to anoint Lazarus with a chapter before. They didn't have to have the perfume. Why? Because Jesus comes and He's like, Hey, look, uh, I'm about to go walk in this grave, raise Lazarus from the dead. Do you remember what Mary and Martha said? They said, Don't go in there. Why? It's going to smell. He's already composed. But, when, but instead, Jesus goes, not having used the oil, because they used the oil about four days after the death comes, if you remember correctly in the story of Jesus. About four days has not gone by yet. It's been about three days. And so Jesus walks into to a smelly tomb, raises Lazarus from the dead. And so Mary and Martha, guess what? They did not use the oil. So now they have this oil. And what did they do with it? I don't know why they did that, but they poured it at Jesus' feet. And that's just another way of saying maybe God is blessing you and maybe God is blessing us in our lives and He gives us things and and, 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 and He provides a way, but not so that we can take the oil or take the blessing and keep it to ourselves. Or save it for another day when Lazarus would die or when Mary would die or when Martha would die. It's not to save it, but he simply says, look, I'm going to give you this and I'm giving you this so that you can give it straight back to me, straight back to Jesus. And so in your life, look and see if God is giving you something that he says, you know what, I don't want, to, I don't want you to put this in your storehouses and your barns. I actually want you to just turn around and give it right back to me. That message was brought to you by the, uh, the finance committee. and uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I don't even know if we have a finance committee here. Oh, man. Okay. All right. Let's go on. Drake, you're um, um, chasing rabbits. Here we go. A sermon should do four things to you, Zach. It should do four things for you. Number one, a sermon should pique your mind. It should teach you something. Number two, a sermon should tan your hide. (laughs) It should convict you, you know? Number three, a sermon should provoke the will. That's another way to say it should inspire you. Number four, a sermon should keep you wanting more. More of the sermon? No, more of Jesus. And so the next hour and a half, I'm going to see if I can relate these four things to you. (laughs) I'm just on one today, I don't know. Come back next week, I promise I'll I'll be be better. Okay, I'll be better. I'll mind my manners. Okay. So Mary comes in and pours this jar of oil at the feet. Do you see this? Now why did she do that? Why did she, why did Mary come pour the jar of expensive perfume from the essence of nard? Why did she pour that on Jesus' feet? And she didn't only do that, but after she poured it, she got her hair, which would have been long, and she just starts to wipe the nastiest thing on Jesus' body, His feet. Smelly? Yes. Dusty? Dirty? Yes. And probably dry, she begins to pour that and just wipe that with her hair. And hear me, and hear me, and hear me. This is the point that I want to be the type of Christian that can come in and sit at the feet of Jesus and give my offering and get my hair and wipe Jesus' feet, not caring about what anybody else in the room thinks, not caring what my brother thinks, not caring what my sister thinks, or anybody else is at the party, that I can come at the feet of Jesus and worship Him how I worship Him without caring what anybody else thinks. and wow, and wow if I could be that type of preacher or if I could be that type of Christian. When the worship is going and I feel that Jesus is playing something on my heart, I don't have to wait to the altar call to come up here and pray. I can come up here and pray whenever I want to. Or if somebody's preaching or I'm up here preaching and I feel like God's stirring something in my heart, I don't have to wait to the altar. Call. I can just come on right up here while somebody's preaching and pray to God. Why? Because there is no time with God. He just is. So if you want to pray, you come. You want to you you stand, you stand. You want to clap, clap. You want to say hallelujah, <laughs> you want to say amen, say it. Because I don't care what anybody else thinks. It's just me and God. And then get this, get this. Mary took that 12-ounce jar and as she prayed it, as she poured it and she anointed Jesus' feet with it, wiping His feet with her hair, the house was filled with the fragrance. And there is something about, you may think, well, what can I do? What can I do? There is something about when one person, one person, raises your hand or has a worship experience with Jesus. There's something about when one person comes up to the altar or when one person, you can say, you can look at them and you can say, they are worshiping God right now. There is something about that that it doesn't just stay with them, but it spreads to the whole house. Do you see where I'm going with this? It just spreads. And I love being in a sanctuary with you guys because I can say, oh, wow, these are such a a faithful people, a wise people, and it spreads. But, oh, my goodness, it could spread so much better, y'all it could spread so much better. It could spread so much more. And it starts with one, and it will spread. But why is it so crazy that Mary, why is it so crazy that Mary was in there? It's so crazy that Mary was in there, because if you remember, if you remember in the chapter before, Mary is actually the one that was cooking up. She was serving, and now she is sitting. So the one who was serving is now sitting, and the one who was sitting is now doing what? Serving. So do you see how there is both sitting and serving in the kingdom of God? We both sit at the feet of Jesus, and we also serve others. Now, my sermon today is called The In Between because what should we do? Should we sit at the feet of Jesus or should we serve and live and walk and breathe? Which one should we do? And my point is this that we should walk in between the two. In between the two. My sermon in a sentence is this. All right, get this. My sermon in a sentence, if you're taking notes, write this down, is that as Christians, we are to walk in between the mundane. And the majestic. In between the mundane, what is the mundane thing? I mean the ordinary things of life. That is the uh, you know what the mundane is? That would be like taking your kids to school, right? Miss Crystal, it would be like filing your taxes, right, Miss Lindy. <laughs> Miss Linda Kay, you know. It would be like, um, it would be like I guess that would be a good joke for Miss Christie. you know. It would be like finding the French fry in the dark hole of your car. By the way, if it's a McDonald's French fry, it doesn't seem to ever change. Three weeks go by and it's still... Does that not concern you all? That concerns me. You all have new cars and you don't let things go down into the black hole. You vacuum it out. Well, that's good. Welcome to the Sonata. <laughs> all right. The mundane. But what is the Majestic. The majestic is that place of prayer in the morning, that place of Bible study, the place of worship. Here, as we all gather as a necklace of pearls, we are all pearls in the eyes of God, coming here and worshiping. Maybe it's driving down the road while you're listening to worship music and you are having a moment with God, but whatever it may look like, walking in the majestic. And so, and so, should we spend 100% of our time in the majestic? Or or should we spend 100% of our time in the mundane? Which is it? And my point is, is that we are to walk in between the two. In between the two. Look at Jesus' life. Jesus ate. Jesus built campfires. Jesus went to a wedding. Jesus taught. But Jesus also went and prayed. Jesus also went to the synagogue. Jesus also studied. I say he studied. Maybe he did. not Maybe he just knew everything, but uh, I, I, I don't know. Jesus walked a life in between the mundane and the majestic. Look what Joel says. Joel says this. He says, I want to walk between the porch and the altar. Mr. Webb, I always wondered what that meant. Walk between the porch and the altar. What does that mean? What happens on the porch? Well, if you're Mr. Danny, I'll tell you what happens on the porch. You pick Purple-eyed that's what happens on the porch. If you're Matt, you shoot skeets on the porch <laughs> all the time. If you're me, you blow off your porch because all your dogs get dirt everywhere, and when they dig up your flower bed, you have to blow it off. But work happens on the porch. Work happens on the porch. But where's the altar? The altar is this. When I come and sit at the feet of Jesus and I worship. And I never knew what that meant, but now I think I do. He's saying I want to walk in between the two. Where work takes place and where majestic takes place. Walking in between the two. Here's another sermon sentence. Here's my other sermon sentence. It's it's a a two-parter. Here we go. I want to live an ordinary life. I want to live an ordinary life, but I want to live it in an extraordinary way. I want to live an ordinary life, but do it in an extraordinary way. Do it in an extraordinary way. And and why do I say all this, y'all? Why do I bring all this up? Is it just for not? I say it because I think sometimes the devil can have us by the throat of conviction and guilt and shame that we don't spend 100% of our time in Bible study, in prayer, in church every night. And maybe God is sending some conviction our way that we need to do more. But sometimes the devil not get his hand in there and press it even further. And At the very same time he sends that guilt and that shame that we don't spend 100% of our time in the majestic, he will turn around and tempt us to spend all of our time in the mundane. Do you see how he does that? And I'm sick of it! I really am sick of it for y'all and for me. Because he does the same thing over and over and over and we let him do it sometimes. We let him do it sometimes. And y'all are not called to that. We are called as Christians to walk in between, to sit at the feet of Jesus, but also to serve. And I told y'all that a sermon should do four things for you. And I hope that you learn something. And I hope, I hope that it's tanned your hide a little bit. And I hope it's left you wanting more Jesus, but the third or fourth thing that it should also do is it should provoke the will. It should cause you to do something. And what should we do? And I have an awesome answer to that question because we have an amazing ministry that we may partner with. And it's called Manna 22. And here's what Manna 22 is it's part of the Wounded Warrior, uh, I guess, uh, foundation. And with this man of 22, there is a soldier that that we know who is on the brink of suicide. Right now, he's on the brink of suicide. And that, maybe God can use us to save a life. Maybe God can use that, use us to save a life. But how will it begin? How will it begin? It will begin with the posture of possibility. And what does that look like? The posture of possibility looks like my knees down, my face on the ground. I know it looks dramatic. I'm not really trying to, but it begins where our Sunday school lesson this morning began. In prayer. In prayer. Saying, God, will you take something that's ordinary Maybe it's a thing of fishing lures, or maybe it's, maybe it's uh, I don't know, uh, uh, some, 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 some fishing baits, or maybe it's a hunting something, or maybe it's a Bible, or maybe it's a letter. But will you take something that's just ordinary, and will you use it for your kingdom? And so what we're going to do over the next couple of months is we're just going to collect in this box. And so maybe you go to Walmart, and you see something that you may think that he would like, and maybe that's, like I said, some fishing string or a camping kit that's 50% off, and you spend $10 on something, or $15 on something, and you just grab that from Walmart, and you come and you put it in the box every week. You come and put it in the box, and at the end of the month, with your letters and with things that you buy, and with Bibles, we will send this off to that soldier, being completely anonymous. Not saying that we're Black Jack Baptist Church. Why? Because many times the soldiers that they... Have a bias maybe towards a certain religion, and so we want to give before we tell. we want to give we want to show them that we love them, and then we're going to say, "Hey, look, this is who he is a couple of months later. And I'll tell more about the whole ministry and the opportunities. i'm going to we'll put something in your bulletin next week so you'll know what to give and and what what this is for. Uh, I can't really give names because they want to keep everything anonymous. I just want to say that. Uh, they want to keep everything anonymous. And, and, and he's not from around Jackson. I just want to say that. He's not from around here because of uh, the same, same thing. But this is a possibility. This is an opportunity that we can, yes, do something that's mundane, just go into the store and buy something. But we can pray in the name of Jesus that God will take this, what we are doing in the mundane, And God will lift this up for His glory. And here's the goal, by the way. The goal is that somebody goes, not from physical death to physical life, but from spiritual death to spiritual life. And we can throw a party because of it. But where does it start? Somebody give me a shout when I say, it starts with prayer. It starts with prayer. So let's be praying for this man, that he would live and that he would not die. Let's be praying for him that God would take what we give and what we, how we minister, He would use that to stir up something in His heart.